All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Gojo and Golik, it is brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride of life. Saves 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. So we are going to continue our look back at week 14 now, fellas. A little recap here. So let's start with a hella good one in the Rams-Ravens. This was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, this was... I would say, as we recap it now, we were looking back and talking about this during the break. You had the drama at the end of Kansas City-Buffalo. You certainly had the history and the in-division aspect of the rivalry between the Eagles and Cowboys. Dad, the best played game of the weekend was the Los Angeles Rams against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens win in overtime on a walk-off punt return touchdown to continue to solidify their place as one of the top teams in the AFC. But, Dad, I don't know about you. The Ravens won this game, and I came away looking at the Los Angeles Rams. Going back to what I said earlier in the season, before we dealt with the stretch without Matthew Stafford due to injury, that Rams team, when healthy, plays like a playoff team and would absolutely qualify, as we did some of the delineations last week, as a team nobody wants to see right now. Yeah, and they're just right on the outside looking in. If you look at the playoff picture now, the seventh slot is Green Bay, which is 6-6, and and they play the Giants tonight. 
And then on the outside looking in are the, are the Rams at six and seven and Seattle and Atlanta and New Orleans all at six and seven. So while we have a lot of seven and six in the AFC, we've got a lot of six and seven in the NFC. But you're right. You know, it's a team with the talent that they have and have added and what they've got out of those rookies like uh, Puka Nakua. Uh, it has been really impressive for them. Um, but the the Raven, you know, we had the walk-off punt return in overtime by the Jets, I think it was, in week one, right? So to see that, you know, Tylen Wallace doing that 76-yard punt return, a little spin move as well in there. Was it now called back due to a block in the back, by the way, too. Yeah, there was yeah, a very yeah, clear it, block in the back on that play. Yeah. Rule of cool, I'm glad it stood, but there absolutely was a penalty on yeah. that play. And if I was a Rams fan, I would absolutely be hot about that walking into work today. Baltimore sitting as the top seed right now in the AFC. Now they're 10 and 3. Miami is next at 9 and 3, and they play Tennessee tonight with two games on Monday Night Football. We got a twofer, which is very cool. But I agree with you. Both teams over 400 yards of total offense. One quarterback over 300 in Lamar, the other in Stafford just under that. Kyron Williams, another big game running the ball for the Rams. I'm with you. I mean, the Rams literally could sneak into the playoffs, but they are one of those teams that, if they don't, could knock another team at the bottom bottom rung there of the playoffs out of the playoffs as well. Where Baltimore, as we were talking about with Richard Sherman, we're trying to figure out who the team is in the AFC, right? I mean, it's not Kansas City. And Miami, we're waiting for to beat a good team, and they're playing Tennessee tonight. So even if Miami wins tonight, we're still not going to anoint them, right? Because Tennessee's not a winning team, so we're going to hold off on that. We've seen what Casey has done. We see what Jacksonville has done. Those are all your division leaders right now. So it almost seems like by default, and I don't want to say by default necessarily because they are playing well, but Baltimore seems to be the more most complete team right now. I would say yesterday was the first time I felt like that Baltimore team, I could look at them and say, that looks like the best team in the AFC. And yeah. really, it was in the second half of this game because this was like a prize fight and that both teams, it felt like, were jabbing early on, right? You had some weird play calling by Sean McVay who starts off the game with nine straight runs and then gets into the red zone and decides that he's allergic to running the football and is just going to pass his way to field goals. That happens a few times. You've got some mismanagement with the clock by John Harbaugh at the end of the first half the bad challenge at the end of the game like there was still some clunky stuff in there from a coaching perspective on both sides that made me scratch my head where these two teams would randomly ab abandon a really productive run game for both sides but what ended up with dad was the players making plays this might have been pound for pound in the second half the best quarterback game I've watched collectively the entire season with the way that Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson were playing at the end of that game that was MVP stuff from Lamar Jackson the way he navigated the pocket in this game and has for a lot of this season is to me one of the biggest areas of growth and the biggest signs that he is one of the best quarterbacks in football he never looked phased with the pocket breaking down around him on that final drive and regulation where he goes down there and helped them score between the touchdown and then the two-point conversion he was seeing zeros and ones in the matrix that was some elite quarterback play and Stafford on the other side was nobody's second place there with some of the stuff he did since coming back from injury he's looked like vintage Stafford he's looked like the guy that Los Angeles shelled out the resources to go and grab and get out of the uh, Detroit Lions yeah where where that swap of quarterbacks Jared Goff is starting unfortunately to revert to look more like the quarterback that he was with the Rams as far as Lamar and and Baltimore's a team that they get to the playoffs and then lose 
and then sometimes they don't even have Lamar, you know, because he's been injured. So if you're a Ravens fan, every time you kind of see him run or, or he's been hurt from the pocket the last time he got hurt yeah. is to make sure he's standing after every play. But I'll say this, Mike. NFL athletes, some of the greatest athletes in the world. Lamar Jackson is even above those guys. Watching him move, watching him just glide, shuffle, move, get out of trouble, juke people like he's almost not even trying. I just sat there amazed watching him. He is almost effortless in his ability to get away from people and make something happen. It, it And let me tell you, as a former defensive player, and by the way, not a great pass rusher either, what a damning thing if you get there and you're by him and you get a good rush and yet you still can't bring him down. If you ever spy him, to me, it's a waste of time because he's going to beat that guy in the open field like he beats everybody else. He is, he is a lot of fun to watch, and it's almost like jaw-dropping to me of watching him saying, Wait, these are some of the greatest athletes on earth, and he is just making them look silly at times. He's at the point now where experience has now caught up to his ability. He's so in control of everything because you're right, Dad. It used to be he was embarrassing some of the best athletes in pro football in the open field. He'd break the pocket and you'd strap in and get ready for the highlight you were going to see on SportsCenter. And now I feel like every time he breaks contain, he does what we ask quarterbacks to do is still be looking to push downfield. Right. His eyes are always up when he's moving around in the pocket. He would always rather do that. And he's always looking, like you said, to make sure, hey, I just don't want to take the big hit in the open field i'm going to get the yards that are there and then i'm going to protect myself once we get there he still did that to the tune of being the team's leading rusher in this game keaton mitchell nine for 54 outside of that as he continues to get most of the carries in that running back room there but dad i think for lamar jackson too that kind of takeover was important for everyone to kind of get to see on that stage just because this offense you can clearly see is still sort of working through who they are in life without mark andrews like i talked with mina about this on her podcast last week would we see them do more three wide receiver sets and less two tight end sets in this game and through the first half we still saw a lot of Isaiah Likely and Patrick Ricard out there as the remaining uh, tight ends there they got their third string guy forget the guy's name out of Iowa State but they still had a lot of multiple tight end sets on the field they were still operating a lot of their business out of that and then when it got to nut cutting time down the stretch of this game they got into the three wide receiver stuff Odell Beckham Jr. had another one of his really productive games for the Ravens in that uniform Zay Flowers had a couple of big plays down the stretch and because Lamar Jackson is so capable when push comes to shove working out and operating out of the pocket like that I think you saw all right an offense that we have been waiting to consistently develop downfield got some great reps in some really clutch moments that they're going to be able to use to build on since they will not have Mark Andrews for the duration. Char- Charlie Kohler was the other tight end you were thinking about That's the big the guy from from Iowa State. But you look at the game yesterday, Zay Flowers and Odell both targeted 10 times and likely seven times. So that's the triumphant right now, right now that Mark Andrews is out. Aguilar is coming up with some catches. He had five yesterday on five targets. You know, the the former, you know, let's call it what it was. He was a bust in Philadelphia, you know, getting new life uh, here in Baltimore and more opportunities since Andrews is always that go-to guy of just being, outside the top three they throw to now, but still a guy that they can try and count on more and more. And as we said, this is the most 
weapons that Lamar has had. They actually went out and got some. And then the old faithful Mark Andrews, the one that's always been there, unfortunately, is the one that ends up getting hurt. But you got to like what, what's going on with them right now, without a doubt, especially in an AFC that's in flux. They seem to be the most consistent now. Yeah, I would say we can say I I feel comfortable saying they are clearly the best team in the AFC yeah, now. I like do based too. on what we've seen from everybody else, that finally feels like Baltimore has put a little bit of distance between themselves and everyone else now. And that's also because I think this Rams team is a lot better than a six and six win. Like people might look at this and say you beat a five hundred Rams team. That was a team that when they missed Kyron Williams and when they were without Matthew Stafford, obviously had a bad time. But with them healthy, Dad, I do not want to minimize this. I still really hope we get to see this Rams team find their way into the postseason because they have added an inside run element to their team this year. Kyron Williams is a big part of that, but that offensive line, now that it's not marred by crazy injury, is certainly a part of that. The defense has some really good young playmakers like Jones, the linebacker, to go along with Aaron Donald and company. But man, Matthew Stafford still on his best day looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL with some of the stuff, especially that connection with him and Cooper Cup and what they're able to put down. So I think that was a really, really quality win for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens in some sloppy circumstances. It did not look like a clean track out there in Baltimore, but they found a way. That defense got its nose bloodied a little bit. One of the top defenses yeah. in the NFL, really good rush defense. Dad, you saw for all the space alien stuff they do with the sim pressures and showing and will they won't they in terms of the blitzers one of the easy solutions to that and we've talked about this for a while is if you're able to just go and churn out yards early in downs and not get them into advantage down and distances you can really mitigate some of the effect of that by letting your big guys lean on the little guys that are around the line of scrimmage and the rams did put a lot of that on display that's not replicable for everyone because you got to have the personnel to do it but at the very least it's the first thing we've looked at and said is wow had consistent success against that baltimore defense and as we talked about, they're just on the outside looking into the playoffs, but could they be the thorn in somebody's side? They have four games left, only two that could affect a getting into playoffs and or maybe a seed. They play the commanders, so nothing there. Then they play the Saints, where everybody has a losing record, but everybody's still in play oh. to win the NFC South. Then they play the Giants, nothing there. And then they finish with the 49ers. And the 49ers certainly could be playing for the number one seed in the NFC, and the Rams could have a say in that. Then you go to Baltimore right now, sitting at the number one seed. Big game. And they have some big games coming up. They play Jacksonville, which obviously lost yesterday. But we know they can play well. We've seen it at times. Then they play the 49ers. Big, big matchup there. Some at this point may say preview to the Super Bowl, possibly. Then Then a big one for them. They play Miami, and by then we'll see what the record's now, but right now those two would be fighting for the number one seed in the AFC, and that would be the head-to-head matchup that could decide it before uh, Baltimore finishes up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So just, you know, but, you know, under a handful of games to go, and could it still get very, very interesting? So those are higher order problems. Those are one seed problems that we're talking about here. Dad, you mentioned one of the teams I want to talk about, Jesse. We have lumped in the Lions and the Jags kind of in the same bucket and uh, not a banner weekend for either in terms of what we think they're capable of on the top end. Yeah, we had some teams with some bad losses. Like you mentioned, Jags, Lions, Texans also going down. So how are we feeling about these teams today in earmuffs, Emerson? Are the Jags Ah. frauds, you guys? 
Ooh, Dad, wow. So the, the Jags and the Lions, I, I won't go as far as to say fraudulent, right? Because you can look at reasons why both happen. But that being, you and I talked about this last week with the Lions. I think we do need to have a serious conversation about the expectations for this team and whittle it back to, hey, if you win your division and get to the playoffs this year, that's a win because we've clearly seen this defense is still not built to party in the way it needs to. Justin Fields had all the time in the world to work in the pocket yesterday for the Chicago Bears. He played a really good game that Chicago Bears offensive line has gotten a lot better that defense has showed signs of improvement in recent weeks but this Detroit Lions defense for all the changes they made this offseason and some of the things they've tried to do really hasn't netted them anything when it's mattered most down the stretch and and listen they they we talked such arrow up to them and put and for a while put them in the upper echelon of the NFC now you know, a bit of a fight that's going to be going on as, as they sit there leading the division, obviously, uh, with, with nine wins. But, you know, not far off, you know, Minnesota is, is seven and six, you know, after they get that devastating three nothing win, which, oh, my God, I thank God we won't talk about that game. <laughs> but think about what the Lions have coming up. I'm calling their game this Saturday against Denver and Denver is playing some ball. By the way, objects in the rearview mirror are closer than they appear, Kansas City. Denver is a game back from you. So I'm looking forward to calling that one. And then their last three games, they play the Vikings twice and sandwiched in there is the Cowboys. So, I mean, the Lions for what we thought and where they could end up is going to be real, real interesting. And but I and then I'm with you about Jacksonville. I just don't have a lot of faith in the way they're playing right now as well. They're going to win that division. Um, but I, I from where and, and it's always like they got to the playoffs last year. You look to take the next step. I, I don't think they're going to take that step this year. I will say this. All of that happening with Jacksonville yesterday with the backdrop of what we saw happen with Trevor Lawrence the week before, I was amazed by how well he was moving out there. Like, I don't know if maybe he just overreacted initially to the injury or if the guys right. made yeah. adamantium or titanium or whatever. But, Dad, he did not look like he had trouble moving around there. He had trouble not giving the ball to the other team. That was a little bit of an issue during the course of that game. But on the other side, how about pretty boy Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco now has started two games for the Cleveland Browns. And in yep. that time, Dad, he has more 300-yard passing games, one, and the same amount of three touchdown passing games, one, as Demo Deshaun Watson has had in his entire Browns tenure so far here. Like, we've talked about all the signs that Deshaun just may not get back to being the dude at all. Joe Flacco coming off the couch and being able to do that at the helm of the Browns offense in his second game back should be a bit of a wake-up call if there wasn't already one for that organization and the bad decision they made. First on Jacksonville, sitting at 8-5, and five, and in the playoffs right now as a team in their division is Indy at 7-6, and six, so they're just a game behind. But Jacksonville swept the Colts during the regular yeah. season, so that gives them a healthy lead there as Jacksonville finishes up with Baltimore. And then three games, Tampa Bay, the Panthers, and the Titans. They, they should be able to get by those, but... I just don't have a lot of faith going into the playoffs where Cleveland right now, I'm with you. Flacco, 300-yarder, a guy who's a statue in the pocket, playing well. And Joku had a big game, and I had him on my fantasy team, so I was happy about that. We know how good that defense is. But think about the AFC, Mike. Cleveland right now is the first slot in the wild card at 8-5. and five. Then Pittsburgh, Indy, Houston, Denver, Cincinnati, Buffalo, 
all seven and six, all one game behind that. So a whole lot still to be determined from the wild card slot in the AFC. We tried to bury a lot of the AFC North, and I still think the Steelers, it's going to be an uphill battle. No Kenny Pickett. We clearly saw this Mitch Trubisky situation because of how turnover-prone he is can be a real problem. But the Bengals won a game yesterday convincingly against a team in the Colts right now that's in the playoff where A.J. McCarron in 2023 had to throw a pass in the NFL. Like the Bengals, (laughs) who had Jake Browning start this game and A.J. McCarron have to come in this game, won the game by 20 points. So clearly, not going away are the Bengals but dad you mentioned it all of that leads me back to the Buffalo Bills like what an opportunity here for this Bills team that got a big time win in Kansas City every team in front of them that you mentioned there are five teams at seven and six two of them are in the playoffs all of them own a tiebreaker right now over the Buffalo Bills so they've got work to do and really no margin for error down the stretch of this season but they are capable like that is the one thing that we have said about buffalo is as long as they're not turning the ball over joe brady has tweaked some things with the play calling james cook in the passing game clearly a directive them doing more on the ground period clearly a directive including rushing josh allen these things that we've been asking for from the offense that showed up they are absolutely in the hunt right now we go back to that designation is this buffalo bills team given the meat grinder of teams with inexplicable quarterback situations ahead of them yeah, I definitely can jump in. They, they have the tough game this week with the Cowboys. The Cowboys hit a tough, a couple of tough games in a row, but they, they have the Cowboys. Then the Chargers and Patriots should obviously get by that, and they finish up with Miami. And they're, they're three games back of Miami. I don't see them catching Miami, but we're just talking about get in, right? You don't care at this point if it's a wild card. Get in the playoffs, and if you're hitting, if you're hitting your stride by that point, good things can happen. This is another one of those years where I wish that we could trade for someone, anyone from either conference to represent instead of the NFC South. Because while the Buccaneers and the Falcons may have played the best bad football game ever yesterday, we saw on the other side that Panthers-Saints matchup. Nobody should make the postseason from that division. Somebody will, and that's going to be a very sad day for everybody involved. What do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. We got two Monday night football games coming your way this evening. And good luck watching them both because they both kick off at the same time. So let's start with Titans-Dolphins, guys. Do you like the Dolphins to keep up with the Ravens for that top seed in the AFC? What do we think? Uh, Dad, I would say yes. Like, this looks like a matchup where really tonight both favorites should win in this game. The one thing you can say is historically the Tennessee Titans do the things that would bother the Dolphins, meaning have a four-man rush and a group up front in the D-line that could maybe try and muck up some of the gears here. But we've seen this Dolphins offensive line lately look a little bit better. Saw Austin Jackson get the payday the other day. A little extension for him indicative of some progress that he's made. So I would still expect Miami to get things done here. And really now, it, it is about that case for the one seed, right? They started off this week yes. or uh, going into this weekend as the one seed in the AFC and are now going to be in the hunt battling back and forth with the Ravens from here on out. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, you're playing the Ravens, so that could be the game, but you got to stay even uh, until then. I, I guess my thought on this, Mike, Miami and Tennessee, what's Tennessee's record? It's four and eight. Miami wins. That's what they do. They, they beat the under 500 teams. That's been their yeah. uh, the, kind of their way. So I would be stunned if, if but either of the favorites lost. Green Bay is playing. On a, they're on a roll right now. Jordan Love is playing well. Uh, the Giants, could they sneak up on you? Could Tommy DeVito do his thing, you know, and, and keep it going? Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I like the favorites in, in both of this game. I mean, Green Bay hanging on to that last slot right now, and they're in the seventh slot of the NSC sitting at 6-6, six and six, and then all the 6-7 and seven teams right on the outside, the Rams, the Seahawks, Atlanta, and New Orleans. So they're all right there. So this is one of those where, A, toward the end of the season, you need to be hitting your stride before the playoffs, uh, and, and, and B, this is the time to hold off those teams behind you and win those games you should win. December is not the time you want the what ifs. In the offseason, when you don't make it and you look back and you go, what if, you know, right in the beginning of December, we don't give that game up to a four and eight Giants team. So that's a what ifs are horrible at any time of the year. But when you're playing well, more's on the line in December and you give one up to a team you should beat. That, that will really eat away at you. I think for the Miami Dolphins in that case, who are in the same boat, no doubt, against this Titans team, you can feel pretty good on a couple of fronts. One, Jeffrey Simmons, star defensive tackle for the, uh, for the Tennessee Titans, not going to be playing in this game because of a knee injury. He is a huge part of the force for all yeah. the good stuff that happens up front for them. An absolute maniac. And on the other side, Dad, Will Levis has, I think, started to level out a little bit more. He had the incredibly hot start in the multi-touchdown pass game with DeAndre Hopkins. And then since then has looked more like the guy we saw in college where there's flashes of really great stuff and then a little bit of inconsistency. Some of it is also the world around him. He was sacked six times by the Colts last week and is now going up against Dolphins team that's third in the NFL with 41 sacks. And I'm sure Vic Fangio is going to relish the opportunity to try and make a rookie quarterback's life a bit of a bad time 
time in this game you would expect to add them to lean heavy uh on the run game in this game and try and really go downhill with that uh with derrick henry because that's probably about the one area we've seen this dolphins defense be truly vulnerable yeah packers on a three-game roll right now uh one of the hotter teams now in the nfl jordan love playing well let me ask you this do you think at this point detroit loses a division I think there's too much distance between them now just because, I mean, we're talking, so Green Bay is 6-6 six and six right now. You've got the Vikings behind them at 7-6, and six, and then Detroit would, I think it would, it's not enough runway left for me to buy that right now. Detroit also, and I thought this was an interesting note for them, Dad, and something that I don't know if Dan Campbell would feel great about people even referencing this with his team. That was the last outdoor game that the Lions are going to play until they get to the postseason yesterday. And while I'm sure they don't want to admit it, that might be a little bit more of a dome team that we've let on, especially with Jared Goff and some of his proclivities coming over from the past as we talk about his ceiling kind of being a limiting factor. So I don't. I think the Lions aren't going to like lose out to the end here. And I don't think Minnesota's in a position to really challenge them being a little bit ahead. And even Green Bay, I think while they definitely are playing the best football right now currently in that division, I don't know if it's going to be enough to catch the Lions. Yeah, and Green Bay and the Lions split during the regular season. And why Minnesota could is because Minnesota still plays the Lions twice. And the Lions are two games ahead of them in the loss column. So if they somehow swept the Lions, and we'll see if the Lions, maybe the Lions will give up another game. I mean, it's the way they're playing right now, Mike, it's a possibility. Like I said, I'm calling their game Saturday. They play the Broncos. And the Broncos are playing some great ball right now. And then the Vikings, then the Cowboys, and then the Vikings again. I mean, I think there is a real possibility the way Detroit's playing right now, they could slip and lose that division lead. The thing I'll say is I worry about the Vikings' ability to hold up their end of the bargain, specifically because we got to wait to see what the uh, status is on Justin Jefferson. Every tr- every Vikings fan's worst right. nightmare yesterday, you get Justin Jefferson back off the hamstring injury, and then about a quarter into that game, he goes down with, I think, what's being called a chest injury right now yes. that they're yeah. going to be checking uh-huh. on there. And so you combine that with the fact that the quarterback situation, we saw uh, Josh Dobbs back out there under center for that team. They end up making a switch in the fourth quarter of that game to try and jump start it a little bit and so clearly the air has kind of been let out of the balloon in the quarterback situation there dad and now that they might not get their best weapon on the team back on offense I just don't know if there's going to be enough Brian Flores bridges and all the uh, blitzes and all the world to be able to overcome that when push comes to shove and again you're not dealing with the elements in either of those games for the Vikings or the Lions and so maybe that Lions offense can get back on track enough to offset a defense that's given up the goods. So it may not be the Lions, well, the Lions would win that division, but it would be that the competition they have just isn't enough in that division, especially I'm with you at Minnesota in the quarterback position on what's going to go on there. The thrill was Dobbs, you know, could he get back what he had thrown to Justin Jefferson? And as you mentioned, all of a sudden Jefferson's hurt with a different injury now. So, man, you just you just got to wonder, a little snake bit right now is Minnesota, even though they had those chances two of the last three games. 
Yep, and, and so Minnesota and Green Bay currently sitting in the wild card right now. Dad, I am forming a prayer circle. No offense to the Vikings. I don't want to treat this like the college football playoff committee and what they did to Florida State. But at the same time, we've kind of seen who you are right now, and we kind of see what the Los Angeles Rams are doing, reprising the role of Alabama. And I would really like to see the Rams in the NFC postseason instead of the Minnesota Vikings at this point, knowing what each team's capable. Because again, it's kind of the same formula where you've got the same quarterback there in Matthew Stafford. He actually was injured, but they're playing some real really compelling football right now if they're able to string together a few like this they're absolutely going to be a team that most people if you were to put the cameras on teams at the top of the nfc like you put the cameras on michigan in that playoff room and see what the reaction's looking like i guarantee people would breathe a lot more sigh of a relief seeing the minnesota vikings than they would the los angeles rams right now and you know what that that counterpart is in the afc pittsburgh is in the playoffs right now denver is not think anybody wants to see yeah. denver in the playoffs, the way they're playing, they'd beg to play Pittsburgh, unfortunately, for the Steelers because they just have nothing right now. But you have two teams on the outside looking in in the AFC that I think people would love to see in the playoffs. Denver, the way they're playing, and just the story of the Texans, even though they yeah. lose a game to the Jets, I mean, inexplicably, Zach Wilson has a game of his life because it just he just kind of threw caution to the wind and just let it go. And... Now you have the C.J. Stroud concussion to deal with. But uh, Denver is a team that is just making that run right now and could put the fear of God in some, some teams in the playoffs. Sean Payton, man, it was a rocky start to the season, but he has come in and delivered on pretty much everything you could have hoped for yep. if you were a Denver Broncos fan when he made that announcement this past offseason here. The Texans, I'm with you, Dad. That was the team that felt like it for a while, but now you've got the Nico Collins injury yesterday to go yep. along with Tank yep. Dell being lost for the rest of the season, and things started to look a little bit different. It's not to say C.J. Stroud has not been excellent throughout the course of the season, but we also talked about he had great surroundings there between the protection that failed him yesterday and then the weapons that he had available to him. Coming up next, though, you said one of the names in Zach Wilson, who is definitely a contender for the all-weekend team. We'll highlight some of the best performers from on and off the football field next. It's Kentucky Derby time. Are you ready for the greatest two minutes in sports? Saddle up with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Download DK Horse now to join the Run for the Roses action. New customers can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS, 21-PLUS in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See terms at dkhorse.com. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for the fellas to take a look back at their weekend and give us their all-weekend team 
So, fellas, first team, second team, honorable mention. Who gets the honors this week? It was a robust weekend, by the way. We had a lot of great choices on this uh, that we won't even get to. But, Dad, I want to start off with the all-weekend honorable mention pick and go with maybe my favorite stat line in professional sports right now. I don't know if you saw, Jimmy Graham, in the year 2023, made not only a clutch catch inside the red zone for the Saints, but got in the end zone for this season's stat line of three targets, two receptions, and two touchdowns on the year. Jimmy Graham, who this offseason was a headline in re-signing with the Saints that I had to look at multiple times to make sure I wasn't getting a darn shirfed, and has now parlayed <laughs> that into an incredibly limited but effective role, and an ultimate he's still in the league player right now it is amazing isn't it i mean i love after his one touchdown he went like he was going to do the slam over the 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 crossbar which of course you get fined for now you're not allowed to do he did the kind of the fake uh okie doke on that that was that was pretty good but it's it's been amazing what what he has been able to do and it is an incredible stat line my honorable mention is going to be the lakers for winning the first in-season tournament and Really, it's the Lakers because they won it. But I, I think the in-season tournament was a win. Something that I know, I believe, I think you were where I was, but I certainly was skeptical. Players didn't even really know when those games were. Of where this started in people's minds as to what the hell are they doing to, wow, this is kind of exciting when you see the funky court and know there's one of those games and then when it get, got down to the quarters and the semis. And then the finals and the Lakers end up winning it. LeBron ends up being the MVP, despite Anthony Davis playing out of his mind in that final game as they beat the Pacers 123 to 109. So I think that, you know, and I'm giving it to the Lakers because they won it. But really, overall, Mike, it's the in-season tournament. I definitely thought what well, turned out to be a hit. Uh, they, they celebrated with champagne in the locker room, all the players, and maybe more importantly, because they make a lot less outside of the head coach. The coaches got $500,000 uh, per coach as well as per player, and they're in Vegas, so I want to know how many players went to the casinos and started gambling in a way right then and there. Uh, but I thought an excellent ending for something that really turned me around during it, and I thought the in-season tournament was, was a hit. Dan, I, I, I think you're right on everything except the proclivities for what they were going to do with the money. You might want to go gambling. I have a feeling a bunch of 20-something-year-old rich guys in Vegas are probably going to find yeah. other ways to spend their money around there Good with point. the nightlife available to them and all the clubs around there. So I'd Good imagine point. bottle service was yep. plentiful for a lot of those Lakers players. But no, I'm with you. I, I didn't... I wasn't sure how long it would take to take hold because it referenced the tournaments that we see in professional soccer over in Europe, and those are things that have a lot more history on their side and other things to point to here. They were able to manufacture this essentially out of nowhere and create meaning very early on in a way that's a huge win for Adam Silver and company, but congrats to the Lakers. Dad, for the second team all weekend team, I'm going to go Army football. They win the Commander-in-Chief's trophy this year. They get a 17-11 win over Navy that included a goal line stand on a fourth and two QB sneak that Navy attempted as the buzzer was sounding on this game. Dad, I want to ask you, though, did it feel less like Army-Navy than usual because of the fact that we had, I believe... 40, uh, almost 50 combined pass, or no, 40 combined passing attempts between these two teams, over 40 combined passing attempts, and over 200 yards of passing yards in this game where we saw more shotgun plays in the Army-Navy game than maybe ever before. 
Stunning. Absolutely stunning. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. It looked different. And maybe these teams, you know, are finally having to get into the now of saying you got to pass the ball to get something done. But, yeah, that, uh, that that's not your parents or your grandparents' Army-Navy games. That's for sure. No, no. And a lot of the different rule changes around cut blocking and the things that normally the service yeah. academies running the triple option needed to be successful have changed so much that these guys have all of a sudden to, you know, Jeff Munkin, who's been one of the architects of this, Brian Newberry, who took over for Kenny Amatololo this year, they've been having to try and grapple with here. But this game still felt big, Dad. We got happy Bill Belichick on college game yeah. day as the guest picker there, putting on the helmet Lee Corso style. It's amazing when you just ask him to not talk about his football team which normally would be a fun thing to talk about. This year, you can understand why he wants a little space between him and the Patriots. But when you just ask him to talk about lacrosse or Navy in the military academy football, the guy opens up like a flower. Yeah, definite hint. If you ever see Belichick and you're going to start a convo, start it with lacrosse and you'll get a, a better conversation. At least start there. All right, my second team, you know, I gave it to the Lakers and we talked about LeBron being MVP. My second team's going to go to his son, Bronny James who made his debut in college basketball with USC. Now, they lost to Long Beach State. They were upset in that game. But remember, LeBron James' son, Bronny, practicing a, a few weeks ago, a bit ago, had went into cardiac arrest on the court and had to have a procedure done on his heart. I can't imagine, as a parent, how scary that would have to be to see your, your child go through that. He goes through the procedure and works his way back to making his first appearance in college basketball. He's on a minute restriction. I think he played 16 minutes, four points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, one block shot, which really doesn't mean a whole lot. Just the fact that he got on the court and is playing, and hopefully we'll be able to put that aside, what happened, and he could be a regular, I don't know if you're ever regular when you're LeBron's kid, but be a regular basketball player now and not have to talk about it's his second game it's his third game after a cardiac arrest and a heart procedure that it can it can just be the norm of him playing basketball but that was good to see for an, a scary moment that I wouldn't wish on anybody uh to to have at least this ending to it but beginning to Bronny's career is uh, it was it was pretty cool to see had to be very emotional yeah, for LeBron and his wife you saw the the post LeBron made about that. It is always cool to get to kind of see him slip into dad mode when we're so yep. used to seeing him from one vantage point, how much pride he takes in the job that his kids have done in their own athletic careers and lives in general. Uh, Dad, let's get to first team here. I'll get out of the way quick on this one because we know what we really want to celebrate. I'll give it to Zach Wilson. Over 300 yards passing in this game. They get a big-time win over a Texas team, Texans team everyone loves. It wasn't perfect, especially in the beginning for Zach Wilson, but they, pe people said he kind of came into this with a cut-it-loose attitude. Bleep you, he was just going to go after it. It showed he played free, and the two times this year that's happened, this time and then really in the first half of that Chiefs game, you got the best of a prospect that ultimately isn't going to have a future with the Jets but you saw here scratching the surface of what people liked at the beginning about him yeah he just you know what as he said it told his teammates said he said he's got nothing really to lose he's been benched three times yeah. you know what the what the hell is there to hold back for so congrats to him my first team is going to go and listen I've had my fun with kickers over the years but it's going to a kicker it's going to Brandon Aubrey the place kicker for the Dallas Cowboys people you need to understand this story he did not kick in college. He did not play football in college. He went to Notre Dame. He played on their soccer team. 
He played in the MLS minor league soccer system. And then he played two years with the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. Uh, that was his kicking experience. He is now kicking for, in the first year for the Dallas Cowboys. He is 30 for 30 in field goals. He went into last night's game 26 of 26. He hit a 60-yarder, a 59-yarder, a 45-yarder, and a 50-yarder. And Mike, let me tell you, the 60-yarder and the 59-yarder went squarely into the net. R- absolute room to spare. First kicker in NFL history to have a two 59-plus field goals in the same game. He is perfect for the season in field goals. He is 30 for 30. His only misses, he actually has three extra point misses. The short kick he misses, the longer kick he makes. It's unbelievable. And as I mentioned, he plays soccer at Notre Dame. So quick shout-out, as you and I, Notre Dame grads, Notre Dame and Clemson in men's soccer play for the national championship today. So very cool for Notre Dame. Unbelievably cool for Brandon Aubrey. That dude is just playing out of his mind right now. And Notre Dame, I was going to say, is a kicking school because you got Blake Groupie, the former Notre Dame actual football right. starter, now kicking as the starter for the New Orleans Saints, had a bit of an up-and-down year. But definitely a football school, the soccer team, between what they're doing in the NFL and actually on the field now. Good luck tonight, fellas. Give them hell. Let's see if Notre Dame can bring home their second men's title. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third here on Gojo and Golik. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your week. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us, leave us a five-star rating, and try and come check us out here live Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, DraftKingsNetwork.com, or the DraftKings YouTube channel, any number of places there. And if you don't get a chance to watch us live from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts. You can check in on the great guests that we have. Our thanks to Richard Sherman, former NFL All-Pro cornerback, current member of the Thursday Night Football broadcast team. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts, or right here available on YouTube as soon as we're done with the show. Guys, we will get to... One of the most important games of the weekend, bar none. After we tell you about our friends at Wrangler, guys, Wrangler supports us. You need to support them. Jean shirts and jackets that are made for the ride of life. We are brought to you by Wrangler. You can be ready for those cooler days and longer nights and styles that keep you warm, comfy, moving and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, at work, out at night, playing a pickup game or with friends at home, watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable and that durable. I might be wearing them right now. You don't know and the camera can't pan down that low. There's also a Wrangler for every occasion. Occasion, casual tees, snapper button-ups, or you can layer them together for a little bit of both. And don't forget about the iconic Wrangler jackets. When the weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. Add some Wrangler to your getup with jean shirts and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great, so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. And you can save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15, Wrangler, for the ride of life. And guys... Let's get to a game that was truly a ride of life yesterday. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings. Dad, we're on the cusp of doing something that apparently we haven't done since the year that you were born uh, in almost ending regulation in a 0-0 tie. What an ugly, ugly 
game. Unless you want to sit there and say it was a defensive struggle, but nobody ever wants to say that because everybody wants to see offense. The last tie at the end of regulation, November 7th, 1943, Giants-Lions. I mean, that's unbelievable. Now, again, this would have gone to overtime, uh, but I, I, I'm I'm just amazed. I kept seeing zero, 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 zero. I'm like, how long is this going to go? First quarter. All of a sudden, it's halftime. Then we're into the fourth quarter, and you're like, are you kidding me? I mean, what? Uh, people paid money to see that game, and you know what? You can't get a refund. No, but I do love the point in certain games where we all collectively flip the switch. The most recent time I can remember this happening was the Iowa-Nebraska game at college football end of regular season where we flip that mode and adjust to sicko mode where we realize, all right, we are now watching something that's objectively gross, but what if we start to appreciate it for that and chase greatness? And you guys saw the graphic, the old Frank Beamer graphic of the 0-0 Wake Forest-Virginia Tech tie that we were now chasing the high of at the NFL level so dad there was at least that hope and i do enjoy that moment because it's a reminder to appreciate what we have we're coming up on the end of the nfl's regular season we're already in bowl season for college football you're gonna miss this you're gonna want this back you're gonna (laughs) wish these days hadn't gone by so fast these can be some good times if you just take a good look around and realize that sometimes a tie can be beautiful especially when no one scores points so it was a wonderful day. We almost had it. We're going to have to move on now to that, Jesse, which is maybe you can quantify this as a bit of the Shohei Atani effect as the Los Angeles Dodgers are now one step closer to gondolas. Yeah, so the proposal to construct a gondola connecting Dodgers Stadium to downtown L.A.'s Union Station, it's overcome a significant obstacle. They released their final environmental impact report, and apparently it's good. So that was good that they, you know, aren't going to mess up the environment. It's saying that the aerial tram is going to alleviate traffic congestion, reduce pollution in surrounding neighborhoods. So it looks like we're we're moving in the right direction here. But is it the right direction? Like you live in L.A., Gojo. Are you going to take a train to Union Station to then get on a gondola to go to Dodger Stadium. I would say this in very limited experience, but one of the things I've heard from all my friends locally around here and I got to experience once or twice is anything to help alleviate the traffic leaving Dodger Stadium is a welcome respite, at least in my mind. Now, there's some things about, you know, that have been disputed there locally with some of the surrounding neighborhoods, some extremely local politics type stuff. There's also the fact that the person in charge of this process is Frank McCourt, who's the former billionaire owner of the Dodgers that most fans hate around here. So you got to factor all that into it. So again, bad messenger in this situation, but just the general premise, getting in and out of Chavez Ravine and all that entails is a bit of a nightmare so i do appreciate people thinking creatively even if it's not the easiest sell in the world i would love it i would love going to a game in a gondola i think that would be so yeah, cool. Be cool i i i think it would be awesome i i, I hope so and i get it with all the surrounding things that you just mentioned mike but i'm just i'm just tunnel vision to going on a gondola going to a game and going yeah i'm in but like I don't know. I just feel like if you're on a gondola, it should be because you're about to go skiing. I don't know. It's something about the gondola over traffic highway. It doesn't sit right with me. You got to expand, right? It can be used for other 
other ways, other forms, obviously, in this case, other forms of, of transportation. I think, Jesse, we have to open our minds here and look at the possibilities. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Would you not want to do this? You know that thing is going to get stuck, and you're going to be stuck on the gondola, swinging back and forth right there. I mean, I would do it after it had been running for a little while. <laughs> I, I, I somebody else deal with about, the bad stuff. Yeah. I do worry about sports fans and their proclivity for fighting in confined mm. spaces where alcohol is also going to be a factor. Oh, like, yeah. I need to know what the policy is on this. If it's like a train where you can drink because that train travel, awesome for that reason. Pre-gaming on the way to an event, getting a nice train ride in where you can be productive, potentially get a little bit of a buzz on there, how that's going to work in the gondola system because now all of a sudden, close quarters and being suspended over a bunch of other stuff, a little bit more of a dangerous game when it comes to that so a lot of things that we need to work out there but dad i'm with you gondola of objectively cool form of transportation like kind of like a blimp but on a string and i'm a big fan of blimps as someone who has at one point been up in the goodyear blimp pretty cool deal gondola it's close second cousin yeah jesse i got to go in the goodyear blimp once it's basically like being out in the open you feel like you're in the air the windows are huge you take off at a really steep angle it's incredible i would be very scared of that but Be awesome. well, speaking of speaking of things that are very serious and involve steep angles, let's get to the third, Jesse, because Six Flags might be flirting with the line a little bit on this one here a, a roller coaster that may even be a little rich for my taste yeah i read about this so the skyscraper sized exa roller coaster which is a term that refers to any ride over 600 feet high <laughs> it's going to boast a maximum drop of 640 feet the 14-passenger train will be able to achieve speeds of up to 156 miles per hour. So it's going to be the fastest, the biggest, the highest roller coaster. Would you even get on this thing, or is this just a heart attack immediately? Oh, I'm getting yeah, on so it. The oh, absolutely. You're getting on yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm. A, I love roller coasters. Absolutely love. Throw me with speed, drop me down a hill, I'm good. Spin me, and I'm done. The teacups at Disney World would make me throw up. The teacups, because they spin around. Anything that spins. How about that ride, the rotor, where you stand against the wall, oh, yeah. it spins around, and the floor drops, and because of the, of the centrifugal force, you're stuck against the back wall. Nope, my day is ruined. Give me the rock and roller coaster that jets you right out of the takeoff at Disney. Give me any roller coaster. I am game. I would ride this in a heartbeat. The rotary sucks when you're fat, too, because you just end up getting hung by your own clothes as you slide down the wall a little bit. At least that's my personal experience. But the Falcon's Flight Dad, I'm with you just because it's new when we think of roller coaster issues and all those videos you see of ones breaking down they're old ones that have been around for years i'd imagine if anything is going to be up to code in this day and age it's going to be the brand new roller coaster that's traveling at speeds that people can't possibly comprehend so i would actually feel more comfortable riding this one than just about any other roller coaster at this point given all the weird internet videos that i have seen if you enjoy the roller coaster ride that is this podcast make sure you download subscribe rate review leave us that five star rating check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.